0: Welcome to Animal Health Insights. This podcast was created to connect producers, veterinarians, and animal owners, and to introduce you to the people and the organizations who are working to support animal health in Canada. Our podcast is developed with the support of the Canadian Animal Health Surveillance System, Through these podcasts, CAS aims to engage veterinarians, producers, and the public in discussions around animal health and infectious disease as part of work to strengthen animal health surveillance through knowledge, awareness, and data sharing. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Todd. I'm also a veterinarian. Let's get started. If you've been tuning into this podcast for a little while, You'll know that some of our discussions touch on the importance of infectious disease conditions and disease surveillance for animal populations. Some diseases have the potential to be so threatening to animal or human health, or so rapidly contagious, that veterinary authorities need to be aware of a single case as soon as possible. For some of these reportable diseases, actions or interventions are required immediately, While for others, veterinary authorities need to be aware of their occurrence simply for disease surveillance and monitoring purposes. Veterinarians in practice, and even animal owners, are required to contact these authorities if they have even just the suspicion that an animal might have one of these reportable infections. So we pick up the phone, we search the appropriate contact numbers, and we make that call. But then what? As veterinarians, we see the patient, we get concerned, That little red flag pops up in the back of our minds, and we do our duty and contact the authorities. From that point onwards, federal veterinarians from the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, and sometimes provincial veterinarians, are involved in disease surveillance for these specific conditions. In the rare case of a significant disease outbreak, these experts monitor the patterns of disease spread, and when indicated, may be involved in management of the case to ensure it doesn't turn into an incident affecting many animals, many humans and our national food security systems and public health. This is an important role, and it often involves several specialists working on the front lines, the middle lines, and behind the scenes to ensure rapid diagnosis and appropriate management of an outbreak. There isn't really a cookie-cutter approach to these situations, But to help demystify and provide some clarification as to just who does what and the why and the how of why they're doing it, I am pleased to welcome Dr. Margaret McGagan from the Canadian Food Inspection Agency and Dr. Luc Bergeron, a disease surveillance veterinarian from Quebec. Dr. McGagan currently works as a Canadian Food Inspection Agency Veterinary Program Analyst and she's also a CFIA liaison for the Veterinary College and the province of Prince Edward Island. Additionally, she works closely with the Provincial Chief Veterinary Officer, industry groups, and producers in PEI. As part of her work, she participates as a member of the CFIA National Humane Destruction Emergency Response Team and Working Group. She participated in the 2004 avian influenza outbreak in the Fraser Valley, BC, that led to the development of national emergency response teams. And she trains and leads on many disease response exercises so she has a strong understanding of how quickly these situations can adjust and the importance of strong leadership and clear communications to all involved. Dr. Bergeron is a veterinarian and epidemiologist who graduated from the Faculty of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Montreal. He worked initially as a large animal veterinarian and currently he works in animal health surveillance and he is the coordinator of the Surveillance Network for Bovine Diseases at the Quebec Ministry of Agriculture, Fisheries, and Food. Welcome to Animal Health Insights, Dr. McGagan and Dr. Bergeron. Thank you for having us here today. Yeah, thank you. I'd like to get a bit of background information down pat just before we proceed too far here. Dr. McGagan, can you explain what things about a certain disease condition qualify it to become reportable to the federal authorities?
1: Well, reportable diseases are diseases that require action to control them or eradicate them because that they are a threat to the human or animal health or have a severe food safety risk, or they could have a severe economic impact. They include animal diseases that are foreign to Canada, as well as diseases that we have had here already. Diseases like rabies are highly infectious and severe and affect multiple sectors, domestic animals wildlife conservation, public health, and livestock economies. Failure to prevent the spread of animal diseases, including those that can be spread to humans, could cost Canada's livestock industry billions of dollars in lost production. The loss of international markets through export embargoes and the cost of control and response activities is devastating to the Canadian economy. Rapidly spreading aggressive diseases can have severe economic impacts that affect Canadian society as a whole and our trade access with other countries.
0: Dr. Bergeron, some diseases that are not regulated at the federal level are regulated at the provincial level. Could you explain why this is?
2: Yeah, sure. Well, um, first of all, I'd like to say that Different provinces have different regulation about animal L disease. So I'm going to talk primarily about what we did in Quebec, but different province, different regulation. Uh, we try to have similar regulation, but it's not always the case. And even some provinces uh, don't have regulation in terms of regulated disease. Before I get into this, I'd like to say that there's different reasons why diseases are regulated. The first one is we want to enhance surveillance. So we need to know more about this disease. What is circulating? A lot of the diseases that have an impact on public health, for example, we want to be able to, uh, to have good surveillance in place. The other thing is that if we have a disease response, in other words, if there's an intervention when a disease is uh, detected or even suspected, we want to make sure that we're able to detect it as soon as possible because, as you all know, early detection is a key in animal surveillance and disease response. So these are the two main reasons and surveillance and disease response why we want to regulate some disease. So in Quebec in, uh, in 2015, when we've decided to put in place a, an animal disease regulation, the first thing that we did, we made a list of diseases where we felt we needed to enhance surveillance and or we already had a disease response plan in place or we wanted to have a disease response plan in place. And once we had that list, we took a look at what CFIA did on their side. So of course, CFIA has disease regulation. They have a different type of disease that are regulated in different way. The reportable disease, of course, the immediately notifiable disease and the annually notifiable disease. So what was decided when we look at our list and we compare it to CFIA was to refer to, to CFIA regulation for reportable disease and to refer to their regulation for immediately notifiable disease. What that means, it means for reportable disease that if you're a vet practitioner or a producer or you're a, a lab worker and you suspect a reportable disease, like foot and mouth disease, for example, or you confirm one of these disease, reportable disease, you need to report it immediately to CFIA, but also to our province. And the same thing can be said for immediately notifiable disease, which are diseases where the obligation lies on lab workers or on lab director. So if if there's a positive results in their lab, they have to notify it immediately to the authorities. So for that list too, it's a notification to CFIA, but also to MAPAC. And then when we took another look at our list and we looked at what diseases were not on the CFIE list. So we decided to add about 20, a little more than 20 diseases that we call designated disease, but are actually the equivalent of immediately notifiable disease in the sense that if you're a lab worker and you, uh, you have a positive result, you have to transfer it to MAPAC in real time. So some of these diseases are, are diseases, for example, like porcine epidemic diarrhea, or avian mycoplasmosis, where they are not regulated under CFIA, but still, in our province, we have a response plan in collaboration with the industry. So for us, it was important to regulate these diseases. And some other diseases, like uh, type A influenza in any type of species, these are important to to also have a regulation because we want to have end surveillance This is and it can be a public health issue, so we want to make sure to have good surveillance activities for these diseases. That's the reason why some are regulated only at the provincial level. This is the reason why.
0: So if a veterinarian suspects a disease that is reportable both nationally and provincially, do they contact both the CFIA veterinarian and their provincial veterinarian? Do they contact their local CFIA vet office or is there one national number to call?
1: They should contact both their local CFIA district veterinarian as well as their provincial vet. The local CFIA numbers are listed on our website at www.inspection.gc.ca and there'll be a contact page they can click on and it'll list all of the CFIA offices across Canada. I encourage people to be familiar with the contact numbers for their local CFI office in case of any type of emergency.
2: Yeah, and I would say that uh, in Quebec, it's the same, of course, if it's it's regulated by CFIA, but also regulated by the province. The vet practitioner or the producer or the lab worker needs to uh, report it to both government. In Quebec, when anything needs to be reported uh, or even diseases that are not regulated, for example, general animal health concern can be reported to MAPAC at all time at the reporting center. Which the number is 1844Animo. Animo now, it's a, it's a French word, but uh, uh, you guessed it. It means animal. So it's 1844ANEMAUX. Or in a lot of instances, and it's a good proportion of the report that we get, we get it directly to the surveillance network coordinator. So for example, myself, I am the, the bovine network coordinator. I'm a surveillance veterinarian. I have many other colleagues that are surveillance network coordinator. And every week we get calls from practitioners that have an animal health concern and we try to help them. And of course, if they call us and it's a disease, they have a suspicion about a reportable disease regulated by CFIA. Of course, we're going to help them to make sure that CFIA gets the information. It's important for us that they know all about this. We always work in collaboration with CFIA on these issues.
0: So what if a veterinarian suspects a reportable disease might be present, but they're not sure? If a veterinarian contacts the authorities and the case is a false alarm, what happens? Dr.
1: McGagan? veterinarians are required to report even suspicion of disease. It's far better to be the one that reports a false alarm than it is to not report a disease and delay the identification and response to a rapidly developing disease emergency. CFIA will investigate any reported disease. If it turns out to be a false alarm or a domestic disease, then CFIA will discontinue their investigation and allow local authorities and veterinarians to address the issue. CFIA wants to encourage veterinarians and the public to not be afraid to call us and report what they are seeing. For example, I had a local veterinarian report piglets with vesicles in their mouths. Samples were taken and sent for disease identification. It turned out they were just fever blisters caused by polysystemic wasting disease. CFIA's involvement ended at that point, and the head veterinarian worked with the producer to manage the disease and improve the biosecurity on the farm. But it was a great collaborative effort between that private veterinarian and CFIA, even though CFIA wasn't needed in the endpoint.
2: Yeah, and on the provincial side, I would echo that, uh, what Dr. McGeaghan said. The first thing we do when uh, someone calls us and reports something that might be or is a false alarm, we thank the, the vet practitioner for reporting the suspicion. That's the most important part. We're happy that they're participating in the surveillance effort and quite honestly in surveillance false alarm are expected it's actually a good thing you want to have a surveillance network that is sensitive not the contrary and it's way better to have a false alarm than to miss something important so in 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 one word we thank them for reporting a suspicion and i know some veterinarians they feel At times, they feel like they're annoying us if they call us, but to be honest, they should not feel like that. If they're asking themselves the question, should I report it or not? Is that situation reportable or not? Well, they should not hesitate. And just, if it's a false alarm, it doesn't matter at all. It's actually uh, expected.
0: So in this first phase then, where a diagnosis is uncertain, how do we make sure that the producer and the farm in question that they don't get stigmatized by like, their local community or others in agriculture for potentially having an infected premises. How is their privacy protected in this pre-diagnosis phase?
1: Well, CFIA has been working with producer groups to educate them about early disease recognition and preliminary response protocols. There has been a great deal of work done to educate each of the livestock sectors on disease response and their role in that response and how it affects the outcome. In those early days, the industry itself has developed communication plans within the sector to increase biosecurity protocols and to voluntarily stop the movement of animals and things out of the affected area. By working together as a sector, it provides support to the affected firm that CFIA has placed initial quarantine measures on. This education and awareness process is designed to encourage the public to respect the process, sensitize them to the potential issue, and hopefully minimize the fear factor that causes stigmatization. CFIA will not release any details with regard to an ongoing disease investigation until a clear diagnosis has been made. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency is committed to protecting the privacy rights of individuals, including safeguarding the confidentiality of information. The reality is that in a disease outbreak, the response is not something we can hide or make invisible. But if we work together with industry and have clear communication, we can minimize the negative perspective surrounding the situation. Also, as part of our preparedness planning, we've been working with stakeholders to provide a support framework for the affected producers so that they have the support they need to understand the situation, manage the requirements, and cope with the inevitable stress that's associated with it. All of these educational pieces that we've been trying to bring together are also on the public forum, as well as with the individual livestock groups, so that the public is aware of when there's a disease response, it's not the producer's fault. It's about an issue that's occurring in our region, and we all have a responsibility to help with the response.
2: I would say my answer is pretty much the same. Confidential information is protected by the law, uh, also at the provincial level, and cannot be transmitted.
0: Could you please explain then, just after the initial phone call or contact is made, what are the first steps that the CFIA veterinarians will take?
1: Well, if the trigger comes from the owner themselves, the person that has the care and control of the animals, the veterinarian that takes the call will gather all the pertinent information around the situation. That includes a description of the premise and location of the affected animals. Will he make a plan to visit the farm, We ask the producer to send us a site plan and aerial photographs if that's possible. We need to know what the type of operation is, the number of barns and pens within the barns, the number and type of animals on the premise, the location of the animals on the premise, and the production records for the previous eight weeks. We advise the owner to stop any vehicle movement on and off the site until the disease risk can be assessed. This might mean delaying or rescheduling feed or product shipments until after the CFIA investigation team has completed its visit. We ask the producer to identify any expected shipments or feed deliveries that will occur within the next 48 hours. If there is an essential movement on or off the premise, the owner must advise the driver of the conveyance that it has to remain on site until it can be adequately disinfected. And this process has to be overseen by a CFIA inspector. If the trigger is a notification from a third party, like a laboratory or a slaughterhouse, then the person having care and control of the animals must be contacted. So CFIA will take the information from whoever the reporting party is, and then we call the owner or the producer on the farm, and we ask them for what they're witnessing on the farm, and we inform them of what was found at the lab or at the slaughterhouse. It's absolutely critical that we gather accurate information at this first contact, because if we have incomplete information, it can present an incorrect picture of the situation, and the risk determination and subsequent classification for the specimen submission might be incorrect. So we want to ensure that we gather all of the correct information right from the get-go. After that phone call is complete and we've made the arrangement to go visit the firm and where we will meet the producer, the CFIA veterinarian will call their supervisor or the inspection manager and notify them that there's been a disease report that requires investigation. The inspection manager will notify the animal health disease specialist and the emergency response coordinator, as well as CFIA management. The veterinarian will assemble a response team. That team will help set up the biosecurity lines sampling of the animals, and may also participate in interviewing the producer. We gather up the equipment and the documents that we need to conduct the investigation on farm. We also make sure the lab knows that there will be samples coming for a disease investigation, and we arrange for a courier. Usually these things never happen, you know... 10 o'clock in the morning. They're always five on a Friday. So it's important to line up our emergency delivery systems so that we can get those samples taken and delivered to the lab as quickly as possible. And so we have to assign someone to stay clean, um, but be available to pick up the samples once they've been disinfected off the farm and get them to that courier. So how are these steps,
0: you've kind of covered this a little bit, but how are these steps communicated and explained to the producer whose animals are potentially affected?
1: So that initial phone call is critical. You know, we are asking them a lot of questions and we're gathering the information as they tell us. But then we take the time to explain to them what we are going to do. So if the situation's considered to be high risk, the most likely we're going to have to implement biosecurity and movement control. So we discuss that with the producer, and we ask them where the best spot on their site for a biocontainment line will be, because that's where we're going to park our vehicles. We talk about the movement on and off the farm, and that there will be a CFIA person posted at the entry to ensure that no non-essential traffic comes onto the farm. They also make sure that any necessary movements off-farm are disinfected prior to leaving. We try to make this this control area away from the family home, if we can, if that family home is separated from where the barn area is, then we'll have that control zone over by the barn and not directly at the family home. And that's to help with the privacy side of things for the family and allow them to come and go from their house as long as they haven't been down near the barns during that time frame. But the site has to be restricted. I also talked to the producer about the fact that we're going to have a sampling team that's going to be coming on the farm, And so they will need to put on complete personal protective equipment to enter the burns and take the samples. They will look odd in their white suits and, and goggles and gloves, but this is a necessary aspect of the response to ensure that whatever is on the farm stays on the farm and that it doesn't come off when we leave. We inform the producer that he is going to be interviewed, that we are going to have to ask even more questions. And this is done through the premise investigation questionnaire. And this will help us to establish the history on the farm over the last two months. We will look at what came on and off the farm in that time. To help us with that process, we'll need to look at invoices, shipping receipts, feed records, production records, veterinary records and lab reports, a detailed description of the farm management practices, records of purchase or sale of animals and feed, as well as birth records, solder records, dead animal and carcass disposal records, and the contact information for the farm veterinarian. Another aspect of that will also be asking about the travel history of the family. Have they gone anywhere out of their community? Have they had international visitors? Have they had anybody unusual come to their farm? Also, the other part of this is that we are going to be issuing a Notice of Infected Premise, and that's going to institute quarantine measures until CFIA is able to confirm the diagnosis of the disease and either remove the quarantine or begin a disease response.
0: Dr. Bergeron, if a veterinarian contacts their Provincial Disease Surveillance Veterinarians in Quebec to discuss an animal health situation, what happens next with these calls?
2: Yeah, so first thing, we, we get a lot of calls and these calls can vary a lot. It's different animal health situation. We have to deal with different types of things. So through our surveillance activities of our network, what we ask them to do, we ask veterinarian to report to us and Dr. McGegan talked about this a little bit at the beginning. We wanna We want to know about animal health situation that could have a considerable impact on three things, on animal health, on public health, or the economy of a production sector. When that's the case and the vet practitioner feels that the animal health situation that they're facing could have a big impact on what I just named, we want them to report us the situation. So as I said, we get a lot of phone calls about different types of situation. The first thing we always do, and I think that that's the first thing that all surveillance veterinarians across the world will do, we take a picture of the situation. But really, the first thing we want to do is to assess the impact on animal health, public health, and the economy of a production sector. That impact, it's it's not always easy to measure that impact, but that's the first thing we have to do. And we do that because we want to know, uh, we want to decide, are we going to further investigate Or are we going to intervene, if needed, on that situation? Once that is set, it depends on the situation. But most of the time, even if the situation is not that clear, we most of the time transfer initial prevention and control recommendation Sometimes when we get a phone call, we know uh, it's about what or in the differential of, of the practitioner, we have a good idea of what disease it could be. So for us, it's possible to transfer prevention and control recommendation. Now, the other type of recommendation that we can transfer during the initial phone call would be public health recommendation. We don't always know if there can be an impact on public health with the animal situation that is reported to us. But if we feel it's the case and there's a chance it would be the case, these recommendations are uh, transmitted during our first phone call. And of course, the next thing we do is we look at what has already been done in terms of diagnostic procedure. And if we feel we need to investigate it more, we help the practitioner and the producer to do so. And of course, there's other action depending, not necessarily on the first call, but other action that can be done depending on the situation, trace-in, trace-out, risk assessment, mapping, and other things of that type. And one last thing I would like to say about the type of intervention that we're doing most of the time, especially for the plan intervention that we, we have in place for certain disease, for example, for porcine epidemic diarrhea or uh, LTI in avian or mycoplasmosis in avian, where it's a plan response. All of this is done in collaboration with the industry. Without them, there's a lot of things that we wouldn't be able to do. So it's pretty much all the time in collaboration with the industry, which is a real important part of disease response.
0: Sometimes we'll have histological or tissue samples or diagnostic tests performed at a veterinary diagnostic laboratory, and the diagnosticians may have cause to suspect a notifiable or reportable disease based on the test or the pathology results. In these cases, what happens next, and how are these test results communicated back to the veterinarian or the producer who submitted the samples? Dr. Bergeron, I'll let you comment on this from the provincial perspective first.
2: Well, in Quebec, and I I think I'm pretty sure that's the case in every animal health lab in Canada, across Canada, all animal samples that are sent in animal health labs are submitted by a veterinarian. So it's how it works. The test results are always communicated back to the veterinarian. And of course, the veterinarian is linked with the producer, so the producer will always get test result through the veterinarian. Now it's important to say also that if a diagnostician has a suspect or confirmed case of a reportable disease, he must report it to CFIA and also to MAPAC in our case because that's what the regulation said. The same thing can be said for immediately notifiable disease but now the lab will have to report it to CFIA and also MAPAC And for designated disease, which are the disease that were added in our regulation by MAPAC in the province of Quebec, that's the same rule that applies for immediately notifiable disease. So for designated disease, the lab will have to report it real-time to MAPAC.
0: And Dr. McGagan, how does this work for those diseases that are federally
1: regulated? Well, when we get a report of disease that comes from a diagnostic laboratory, an on-site investigation is always done. The district staff like where the laboratory is they'll pick up the specimens at the network laboratory and they'll submit them to the national center for foreign animal disease for confirmatory testing if the district where the disease originated is not the same as where the laboratory is then they'll contact the local district office where the farm of origin is and so the cfia staff in the region of the farm will then contact the producer and get a history and start to establish an investigation as we wait for confirmatory results from the national lab. For the most part, in, in most of these cases, the national lab is going to want confirmatory specimens from the firm of origin. And so CFIA will make a plan to um, visit the firm and take additional samples for that testing confirmation.
0: So finally, just for a bit of fun, I'll give you each a bit of time to discuss one disease that is currently of interest in your neck of the woods. Dr. McGagan, what reportable disease is of interest for the CFIA right now?
1: Well, if you've been watching any of our social media posts and even some of our TV advertisement, or if you've been in an airport, I don't know how many people have been, but African swine fever is foremost in CFIA's mind. It's a contagious viral disease that affects pigs. It has been spreading rapidly across Europe and Asia, and has already wiped out a third of China's pig population. It's not a zoonotic or food safety risk. However, its rapid spread and high mortality rate has devastated the swine industry. African swine fever has never been reported in Canada, but as the global viral load increases, the risk of introducing it to Canada goes up. With 70% of our production being exported, Canada is the third largest exporter of pork in the world, making this sector vital to our Canadian economy. Our industry is worth $24 billion and employs over 45,000 individuals in the processing and producing sectors. So one positive case in Canada would stop all hog and pork product export immediately. Markets could take months or years to reopen. We saw that happen with BSE. In 2018, the export of Canadian pork was valued at $3.8 billion, and we exported to 87 countries. That would be a devastating loss to the entire country. All Canadians would be affected, whether they realize that or not. African swine fever has a very high mortality rate, and so without an available vaccine or treatment, prevention is our best tool. But we need to be prepared to respond in case it does emerge here. So knowing the signs of disease and identifying them early is critical to managing and containing a potential outbreak. We have enhanced surveillance systems that have been implemented to monitor Canada's herds. We've also looked at tighter import controls. We feel that imported pork products represent the greatest risk of introducing African swine fever to Canada. So to combat this, we have teams of sniffer dogs that have been trained and deployed to identify illegally imported pork and pork products at our ports of entry. Canada is looking at more ways to increase that security to ensure that products aren't coming into Canada illegally or unknown. Preventing the spread of African swine fever is everybody's responsibility. You need to be aware of what the risks are. For firms, do not feed food waste to pigs. Do not throw pork products into the garbage unless they've been fully cooked. Do not allow pork products to be brought onto your farm. And what I'm saying is that if you have employees that eat in and around your facilities... Do not allow them to have lunches that have pork products or have their lunchroom isolated um, and away from the barn so that waste products are not inadvertently fed to the animals. Make sure that all your farm equipment is clean. Any of your footwear and clothing is clean prior to visiting a farm. Know where your feed and feed ingredients are coming from. We do know that African swine fever can last for many weeks in feed. And we want to ensure that your feed ingredients are safe. Know what the signs of African swine fever are and report any suspicious pig illness to your vet or CFIA immediately.
0: So I know we generally consider reportable diseases and we think about them often perhaps in our agricultural animal populations. But there's some diseases that are also of concern in our pet animal populations. How does the CFIA approach these types of disease conditions? I know there's been some interest in which diseases are regulated right now because of the number of dogs being imported into the country during this pandemic from afar, and the potential for human exposure to some pathogens.
1: Well, pets and other species can just as easily spread disease as livestock can. The CFIA is responsible for regulating the importation of animals, which includes dogs, into Canada. Import conditions are applied to prevent the introduction and spread of diseases of concern into Canada which could have a negative impact on the health of animals and humans. Canada's import requirements for dogs, as well as the disease regulated by CFIA, are determined under the Health of Animals regulations. The CFIA must also adhere to international trade standards and therefore cannot impose conditions for disease, which are present within Canada and have no official control program for. Rabies is the only disease of domestic dogs that is regulated by the CFIA and for which import controls exist. However, all dogs imported into Canada must be healthy, with no visible signs of illness, and are fit to travel. If an animal appears to be in poor health, or is found to be non-compliant with the CFIA's import or humane transport requirements, the CFIA can pursue enforcement actions, such as refusing the animal entry into the country, or applying fines. We tend to see two types of dog imports in Canada. Commercial, which is for breeding, resale, or adoption. And personal pets, you know, the ones that come in with their owner. In both situations, the owner or the importer is ultimately responsible for ensuring the health and welfare of the animal in their care. This includes complying with the CFIA's import and humane transportation requirements, as well as any other federal, provincial, territorial, municipal requirements, and or local public health requirements. So, Dr. Bergeron, is there
0: a disease that's particularly of interest to MAPAC and to Rezo at the moment?
2: Well, always. We're many people at Rezo, so there are different interests. But uh, on my side, I would say uh, if we're talking about a disease that are not on our territory, disease that are regulated by, by CFIA, some reportable disease of course, African swine fever, avian influenza, which is spreading as we speak uh, in Europe right now. So these are, I am preoccupied with this, but I would say that to me, the big one, the one that I fear the most, and it's always been the bigger one for me, it's foot and mouth disease. So I know that right now we're talking a bit more about uh, swine fever, but uh, you know, it doesn't mean that there's not a risk for, uh, for foot and mouth disease. And this is the big one for me. If you're talking about diseases that are of uh, economical impact on our province that our province deals with, of course, there's the porcine epidemic diarrhea. There's also Salmonella Dublin infection in cattle. So these type of disease in our day-to-day basis, we have a, a lot of interest in these disease. But my final answer would be any for me, and I think we share that a lot with other surveillance veterinarians, any emerging disease that we don't know of yet. We have a, a good example right now on the human side. This is something that no one predicted. We Well, maybe some would say they have predicted a, a disease like that, but... This is something that we always fear. And not only that we fear it, it's something that will happen. In the next few years, there's going to be a new disease in animal health that's going to have an impact, important impact on animal health, public health, or the economy. And we don't know of it yet. So we can prepare as much as we can, but there's not always much that you can do if you don't know what you're facing yet. So my final answer would be an emerging disease that we don't know of yet.
0: I think that's a pretty good final answer. It's obvious that there's a lot of diseases that everyone has to keep in mind, everyone involved in veterinary regulatory medicine. So are there any resources either of you would like to share, either for veterinarians or for producers, about reportable disease surveillance and response?
2: Yeah, well, on my side, I, I've talked to, about it briefly, but if you get involved in our surveillance activities, uh, which uh, our network and in Quebec, vet practitioner knows about it, which is called the Réseau, you get the Réseau communication. They're always available through our, all the vet association in Quebec. So we get these information to vet practitioner through these association. They're also available on our website. So for me, it's, it's a real good start. But also, just to participate will open your mind about disease surveillance, will make you more vigilant. And that's what we cheer for. That's what we expect from a vet practitioner, that they they participate in our surveillance activities.
1: Well, I I totally agree. That participation side of it is so important. You know, the, the National Farm Animal Care Council, they have all kinds of links with the similar information on it. Everything I talked about today is on our CFIA website, which is www.inspection.gc.ca, as well as all of our uh, federal Department of Agriculture websites and the local government websites. The resources are there. I understand completely that they are not easy to navigate and that it's a challenge to find the information. So I just, I encourage People to take the time to review sites, you know, we're very good at surfing the net for what we're interested in or shopping and finding the best buy, but this is important. And so, you know, during peacetime, get familiar with those links, know how to find the information that you need and get to know your district veterinarian. The local CFIA is a fantastic wealth of knowledge for you, and they can provide you with so much insight into your disease response questions. They can help you with what you need to do to prepare as a veterinarian or as a producer. And and they want to make that connection with you because should something happen here, we're all going to have to work together. And so we need to know each other to begin with.
0: Thank you very much to both of you for sharing your federal and provincial insights with me today. I hope this episode helps to provide some clarity and some background for everyone really as to how... All of us are really working together to manage these health and disease incidents to the best of our capability. I really appreciate you both taking the time to share your perspectives with us today on Animal Health Insights. Thank you. Once again, I'd like to thank the Canadian Animal Health Surveillance System for their support of the Animal Health Insights podcast. CAS is an initiative of the National Farmed Animal Health and Welfare Council and it has broad-based support from both livestock sectors and from government. CAS brings together data and information from across Canada in order to demonstrate animal health and to guide planning on national animal health priorities. Effective disease surveillance can demonstrate the health of our animals and it enables prompt action to minimize the negative impacts of disease. Funding is provided through the Agri Assurance Program under the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a federal, provincial, territorial initiative.